real lessons are learned from failure. We follow this theme leading into episode nine of this podcast, where we interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world on the worst deals they've ever been a part of. Welcome to the Worst Deal Ever podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vicky Virtual Receptionist. We make you look good on the phone. We are also sponsored by Kara Virtual Assistance. You need stuff done, let Kara help. For more information about Vicky Virtual and Kara Virtual, please visit the link provided on our website at www.theworstdealpodcast.com. For our ninth episode, we sit down with Elena Ledoux, founder of Superb Maids, a cleaning company she grew from zero to seven figures in less than two years. Elena also created Mommy Go, a natural energy shop for moms, which just finished an awesome Indiegogo campaign and is currently in production. I ordered some for myself, even though I'm not a mom. (laughs) Elena is based out of Las Vegas, and I'm really happy to be able to speak with her today and for you all to hear what she has to say. So welcome, Elena. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I, I mentioned briefly in the intro, but tell me a little bit about the project you have going on. Well, uh, my first project and my first business is actually uh, Superb Maids. We're a house cleaning company, and um, we are based out of Las Vegas. We have 40 employees, and we're the top-rated company in Las Vegas. And we just got our own building. Uh, awesome. So just, yeah, I just love Plus having my own office building. That's a dream come true. Just like for you, right? If you have your own dreams. And I've seen, it's been a joy to see you actually achieving your dreams. So it's nice. Yeah. And Elena has this uh, awesome mural that uh, was commissioned. It's a huge Wonder Woman smack dab on the side of the building. It's pretty sweet. Yes. uh, We just thought that uh, this area that's very boring and only has business kind of faceless business buildings it would be cool to have just an awesome you know power woman and power symbol for all the women out there so we enjoy it awesome awesome so uh, and tell me a little bit about uh, mommy go yeah so mommy go is uh, just a new brand new startup that just started because i couldn't find a natural way to boost my energy I've been searching for years and I felt like all the products out there on the market, they don't speak to me as a woman, as a mother, or even as somebody who's just a human being who's health conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it works on everybody. As you said, you're not a mom and you got it for yourself. A lot of, a lot of men are buying this as well because they, they, they care about their health. They like their liver. And so they, they go ahead and get it. Right. So the niche, of course, is mom, but it can benefit anyone. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Elena, you know, you've done some great things over the last few years. I understand you were an attorney prior to uh, this career. And, yes. you know, um, as with pretty much any entrepreneur except the luckiest one, there's some things that go wrong in the route to, uh, to success. So tell me a little bit about what happened to you. Well, it's uh, the worst deal ever. I, I really had to uh, dig deep and think about what is the worst deal I've made. Uh, I don't have a long track of making deals, right? <laughs> um, but uh, the, f- the very first deal I've made actually uh, was the worst deal by far. When I first immigrated to U.S., uh, I just recently got married, and my then-husband asked me to sign some of the contracts on his behalf. 
So he made some business deals for purchasing the company and for financing some of the vehicles, a fleet of vehicles. And instead of signing all the deals himself, he asked me to sign. And I can't remember what the explanation was for that. I, I don't know what it was, but I completely trusted him and I just signed it. And so that turned out to be a $600,000 mistake. Um, after he stopped paying that, that all went to me, to my credit. It ended up in litigation and it, ding my credit for many years so that was probably the worst deal ever <laughs> by far <laughs> oh my goodness so you know how did that happen well uh you know the i would say when you grow up overseas in many many countries law and business making business dealing is very mundane it's very conservative mm-hmm. if you sign something you're not you don't face this uh, prospect, realistic prospect of destruction and litigation. It's just not how things are done. It's very, very boring. You just sign it as a formality, right? So I looked at it from that perspective, which was still not very smart, right? But it's, you know, you trust your spouse, you trust the system, and then you do something stupid. So that's what I've done. And that is my worst deal ever. Uh, It was very, very painful. I had to quickly learn everything about legal system. And that actually led me to becoming an attorney. I applied to law school, was accepted. So it ended up being good at the end. I definitely learned my lesson, you know, so there are a couple of lessons. Mm -hmm. But I, it was at the time when it was happening, it was very traumatic. So how, around how long ago was this? It was 18 years ago, so it's quite a while. 18 yeah. years ago? 18 years ago, yes. I was, I was 22 years old, I was a kid. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. so you, you know, you just got here, you got married. So was this like, an, was it a shady thing? No, it wasn't shady, you know, and that's that's the interesting part about it. Uh, he basically, now I didn't even know what was happening back then, but now looking back, I can tell you that he purchased the company on, he made the down payment and then he was making payments, balloon payments. And then mm-hmm. he also find, had to, it was a service company and he had to, I don't know if he had to, but he also signed off on a fleet of vehicles, like F. 150 f-250 trucks like there's mm-hmm. a bunch of them and then th- he got into some kind of dispute with the prior owner and the prior owner wanted to shut him out or take the company back so i don't know exactly what the issue was but the owner was able to get a court order and get seize the bank account seize the control of the company and so then you have to make the payments but you don't have control of the bank account or the company anymore so that was very and you're dealing with a company that's been there for 30 something years right in the town where this person was on on city council or something like that so there you have no chance which at that time i didn't realize uh, we just felt like you know the system is there you should just rely on it to see if you can prevail but no that was not wise at all wow um, Yes. <laughs> Is that the worst deal you've heard so far on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine, you know, the type of situation and like the scenario in which that would occur, right? Yes, we lost everything, like literally everything. Because lawyers are also very expensive. That's another thing I learned. So mm-hmm. just to litigate this thing, you have to basically sink all your savings, everything, which right. I don't recommend. So I guess my question is, is it possible to, you know, if you're in a situation where you're beholden to 
payments on on some assets that were purchased as a result of obtaining the business, right? You mentioned yes. that 250 truck. Would the business not use the collateral? Well, the business was used as a collateral. So what happened was if, if somebody, if the prior owner gets control of the business, but you still have to make payments, right? It's not like you have your obligation to make payments on your house are separate from your possession of the house, right? right. And what happens to the house, you still have to make payments. You promised to do it. So even if they take a house back and, you know, you still owe whatever it is it that you signed up to owe, so... So it's like you end up without a business and still on the hook for the payments. Wow. But there was yeah. no, so there was no way since the other previous owner assumed control of the business, they don't also assume control of those assets. Well, as far as the, the trucks, I mean, you, it's like, imagine you have a service company and then you have no business, but you still have the trucks. And I can't remember exactly how we lost the trucks, but probably for non-payment. Wow. It's all very surprising and shocking to me because I never, I, you know, when I arrived to U.S. Uh, back then, I've never even uh, seen an ATM machine in my life. So you can imagine for me dealing with the contracts, dealing with litigation. It was very uh, educational. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, so, you know what, I don't even know what branch of law you were, you were working in. I did litigation. Yeah, I I became a litigator. I did the defense work. So I didn't sue people, but I protected businesses and people after they got sued. So you're literally doing exactly what uh, you wish you had in that situation before. Yes. And, you know, it wasn't, it, it didn't, it wasn't intentional, actually. I, when this thing happened, I realized you must understand laws, at least basic you know, framework of, of the legal system. You can't operate in American society without being familiar with laws. You know, I'm actually, as soon as I started my studies at the law school, I was shocked. How could I even operate anything <laughs> you know, without having some type of legal education? So I felt like I used to be like a blind kitten. It was just very mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I went to law school, I started studying something boring. I think like corporate law is what I wanted to study. Mm-hmm. I wasn't into being combative or, you know, litigious, but we did, um, I think one of the principles I do is uh, when, when I'm thinking about future career or projects, I try it on. So I tried on different types of law. I went out and I talked to lawyers. I tried, I actually clerked for a judge, mm-hmm. two judges. And so I discovered that the area of law that I enjoyed the most and I had the highest satisfaction by far was lit- litigators because they uh-huh. get to produce immediate results. It's like business owners. You work, you get a reward, right? You're happy. You, you know, you fail, you made a mistake, you failed, you have bad results, like you're unhappy. Whereas uh-huh. uh, in corporate law or transactional lawyers, they, they can keep working and never see the results. It's just part, they're only part of the process, right? So it's not satisfying at all. And then family law, you're dealing with a lot of drama, people, you know, families breaking up. So that's not satisfying either. Tax law is very boring. You just want to kill yourself. And then, you know, from being bored and then, you know, during the tax season, you want to kill yourself because you're too busy, right? So you're just stressed. So it didn't work for me either. But litigation was really fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Well, you know, there is a, a good parallel there. There's a lot of people, especially, and, and this is true for myself, when I first started my first few ventures, and even to this day, there's certain things that 
a lot of more seasoned business owners would know from a legal standpoint that I just don't know. And I think it is important to make sure that you cover all of those bases before you, you go into something or else you can end up with a $600,000 lesson. <laughs> oh, more. I've seen people uh, lose $1.3 million property because of a comma. So it's, it's really? part of, yes, it's part of being like in litigation and being an attorney. You see all kinds of things, situations where people didn't, would never imagine it in their worst dreams that they would be losing everything over something very minor and something that they're just too busy to take a look at, you know, and it's just so natural, especially nowadays, we're all distracted. You know, nobody reads the fine print, but it's very important because you get, uh, you know, you get in trouble for that. That's one of the lessons I learned is do not sign anything unless you understand exactly what you're signing, no matter how annoying it is to, you know, read it, read right. it actually. Right. So, you know, even if Amazon makes a change to their privacy policy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, some people are obsessive readers, they do. And some of these things cannot be negotiated. And that's another thing. If you, it's not like they're, you know, Amazon is virtually a monopoly. It's not right. like you're going to go and, you know, negotiate with them the terms. But when you, you're buying a business or when you are buying insurance policy, right? Mm -hmm. Read that stuff. I know it's written in a way that you want to like stab your eyes out with a pencil, but just read it in, in, you know, bite sizes, take a paragraph and read it and think about it. Does it, do I understand this or not? You can ask an attorney. You can also ask insurance agent to explain to you every single paragraph and ask like, what is the situation? You know, I have the maid, let's say she falls in my house or like falls in the customer's house. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be covered? Like, or I have, for example, if the customer slips and falls, you know, based on our work, is that going to be covered? Right. So just kind of play out these scenarios that you're trying to cover for. And you'd be surprised. They may say, no, you know what? It's not covered. For example, for maid businesses in particular, if, say, the house cleaner was cleaning, say, a stove and mm -hmm. she damaged it, the insurance company may not necessarily cover that stove, stove replacement, because she, they are saying that you were hired to clean that stove. So we're not covering professional you know, negligence. If you damaged it by accident like you were cleaning say like something on, uh, above the stove and you dropped something on the stove by accident then we cover it so wow. it's a very fine line you need to you don't want to find this out after somebody you know one of your employees did a lot of damage and then you find out those, those fine points right that way it's a hard way to learn yeah that's a good point so let me ask you this, uh, you know, you were an attorney for a while. What made you want to branch out and start a company? I actually never wanted to branch out and start a company <laughs> as an accident. Uh, what I wanted to do is to be a mom and actually I wanted to have some freedom. So I took a two year sabbatical after uh, practicing law for 11 years. Mm -hmm. I, I had my second son and uh, I decided to try being a mom for the first time. And so actually, I had my first son, but it, he was raised by essentially other people uh, other mm -hmm. than me. So I was always working and studying. So when I had my second kid, I decided to uh, take some time off. And we took a uh, two-year sabbatical with our whole family and went to Europe. We lived in three months in different, in, you know, three months in different country. So it was like France for three months and Spain, uh, Ireland and Turkey. So that, yeah, that was amazing. And it was, wow. it was just great. 
yeah it was really really amazing and i i always wanted to do it and i just decided to you know what i'll just do it let's just do it while we're still alive we're young you know our kids are cute let's just do it now okay. so yeah so we did that and then we came back to us and my best childhood friend from my home country was Pakistan. she won a green card lottery and she asked me to find her a job so i couldn't find her a job because she doesn't speak english um she doesn't have a car she doesn't know how to drive Mm-hmm. So we started the business that is very requires very little capital investment and very little verbal skills. So it's hustling. Wow. Actually, actually I uh, came across Rohan's uh, post on Reddit and I read, you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah same, uh, same ones I stumbled on. <laughs> exactly. It's epic. So I read it and I said, it makes total sense. You know, it just, I, I can do, I think I can do it. And so my husband tried to talk me out of it, but I didn't listen to him, thank God. And so we started it. We followed what Rohan was doing, and it worked really well. So yeah. and you guys helped us. Vicky Virtual was very instrumental to our success as well. Well, thank you for that. So, yeah. so that makes complete sense then. So you, you, know, you have a scenario where you, know, you have a kid, you're working a lot, you miss some of those early years of yes of that childhood and it, it was probably a regret for you, right? Yes. And so you resolved to be around for the early years of your, of the nut kid, your, your second yes. son. Yes. And uh, you probably got a taste of what it's like to feel some real freedom on that sabbatical. Oh <laughs> now, yes, I knew it. Like I could never go back because I was always like a little cog, you know, the whole time I was in school, you know, I was a dutiful student. I was, I, I had my degree, uh, you know, I was going to be a diplomat at international relations degree, master's. Mm-hmm. So I switched right from that into law school and then from there into being a lawyer. And so I was always part of the system, right? Mm-hmm. It was always like a nine to five. And in my case, I stayed longer and I worked longer hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I studied longer. I would go, even when I had my first kid, I would go to the library after hours and just sit there with books and dictionaries and stuff because i couldn't understand 40 percent what was what was happening in class right right and you know i think there's a lot of uh would-be entrepreneurs out there they're they're very motivated they did what they're supposed to do and now uh it maybe wasn't necessarily that bad of a life right yeah it was great right yeah so you were comfortable you were happy but there were just some things that happened as you know as life happened you got a kid that you're not around enough for, and then the business thing is simply a vehicle for you to have more time. Absolutely, and I love the freedom. I, you know, I always loved law. The minute I actually was exposed to it, I was like, I love it. I would pay to do it. You know, I don't. You don't need to pay me, right? right. Uh, but the fact that lawyers can never have their freedom is what. I realized later after the fact, and I said, as much as I love it, and my dream was to be a judge, and everybody thought I'd be a great judge, right? Oh, wow. So I just, I, but I couldn't do it, because even judges, it's nine to five, you can't just take off and go see your friends in, in Canada or something. You just can't do that, you know? <laughs> right, your your right. time is spoken for, so I can never go back to that, ever. So do you think uh, your experience in the legal field has helped you uh, as an entrepreneur? Yes, definitely it helped because what um, the key to being an entrepreneur for me is to uh, deal with people, mm-hmm. to negotiate your position, to persuade people in your position. So as you know, you know, if somebody calls your business and they 
inquire about your services. If your employee answers it, maybe it's like 60% chance they'll close them at 70. If you answer it, it's probably close to 100%, right? It's most, most business owners are like that. Right. And, and I think lawyers, it's very similar to what lawyers do. You try to persuade a stranger to, take, to, to give you a chance or to believe in you. Mm-hmm. to give you, you know, the benefit of the doubt, to trust their home, their property, their money, you know, to you. Right. So. That's a good point. So you have to sell yourself and market yourself in, in either context. Yeah, and you have to be trustworthy and you seem to be, you have to be uh, apparently professional and, mm-hmm. you know, knowledgeable and trustworthy. Trustworthiness is probably, and I know lawyers don't have the best reputation for trustworthiness, but it is very <laughs> important. Yeah, right. to try to persuade a judge to take your position. If they know that you bullshit all the time, they're not going to, you know, right. your cases. So your worth has to be gold. And I think as an entrepreneur, your worth has to be gold, no matter how much it hurts. And as a lawyer, it's the same thing. If you want to be a great lawyer, you, your worth has to be gold. If you threaten somebody, you better deliver. And if you promise something, you better deliver. So, right. it, yeah. Okay, so... Um, this is a question that I've been asking uh, the last several guests, and I think we'll continue that in the future. What are three of your your biggest tips for someone that wants to start off with their own company or maybe want to take their current venture to the next level? It's a great question. Uh, number one tip would be to identify your values, what you stand for, what your company stands for mm-hmm. early on. Because you will be making decisions on a daily basis, small mm-hmm. and giant. And sometimes it's very difficult and it's very tempting to stray from, you know, your values. And then you always, always will regret it. So, for example, our values at Superb Meats is honest, simple, clean. So, honesty is the number one value. So, whenever uh, an issue comes up, whether there's some type of dishonesty or deceit or something that we can kind of fudge a little bit or cover up, we choose not to do it, no matter how inconvenient that might be or expensive. And mm-hmm. it's always the best route for us because we built our reputation for being trustworthy. People trust us with our homes. And, you know, that's that's a gold in our business, right? In house cleaning, it's, it's gold to be trustworthy. So, right. and imagine if we don't have any values and sometimes we want to tra- make like an extra dollar or save an extra dollar. And so when the time comes to make that decision, I may be very tempted to say, oh, you know what? And this, this time is okay. This time we're not going to say it. This time we're not going to do it. And then that dilutes your brand value. Right. So that's number one tip. Number two tip is, uh, I think it comes from Rohan, which is basically get paid first. (laughs) So um, it's scary. And I've seen it work in many other businesses as well. It's very, very painful to chase people uh, after you deliver service or product, Mm -hmm. to chase them for payment. It's expensive. I hate doing it. Everybody hates doing it. Clients hate it. You hate it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's much easier to get the credit card ahead of time. Right? And it's just so beautiful. You just charge them all at the same time, right? You can do it with a glass of wine <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, and Launch27 is actually a great software for that. You, you get all your credit cards, you charge them all at once, and everything is nice. You don't have to chase anybody for the event. Well, occasionally, credit card fails, yeah, we'll, we'll follow up with a client. But for the most part, it's all, it saves an amazing amount of time and more importantly, you know, nerve, nerve cells, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, so that's number two. And uh, number three is, I would say, for entrepreneurship, 
try everything, try a little bit of everything. And then whatever you discover works, then you just amplify that and invest your energy. For right. example, a lot of times people say like, what's the best um, source for advertising, right? Like in, in any business and in, in your business. And I would say, well, I can tell you what works for us. But I would say the best advice is to try literally every single available uh, source, just on a small scale. Try Google Ads, you know, try Yelp, try Angie's List, try word of mouth, try flyers. And then if something does gain traction, then you try more of that. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then just kind of fine tune it and then just throw, and it's just a matter of scaling then. Like for us, what worked well was Yelp. Mm-hmm. So once we discover there's a lot of traction in Yelp, then it's just opening the spigot. You know, you, you turn on the ads, you amplify the, the budget when you need more leads, uh, more business. And then when you don't need it, you turn it off. You turn off the spigot. So it just it just very becomes very automated. But you're not going to discover that until you tried everything right. out, right? right? So that's how we do it. I would say it's it's for any any aspect of the business. I try, you know, multiple sources in multiple ways. I love that, and it's not something that people say very often. I I, I actually tend to follow that same advice. So to break that down, number one deciding what your values are, uh, maybe a company model, maybe something yes. as simple as at least having your mission statement and then building your core values for your company around that and getting us that early on. That's awesome. Uh, and then two, <laughs> take credit card, make it easy to get paid. Yes. Yeah. Money is everything. Money is everything. And you know, it, it is really a tremendous amount of effort one time of, uh, uh, some time to to capture cash and, and check payments. And I, I really think that's a situation where a lot of times, let's say you begin to take cash and checks, you might gain an extra 5 to 10% of revenue, but you're spending 20 to 30% more effort to capture that revenue, and it's just not worth it. Yeah. And then three, uh, I love, you know, just sort of, I wouldn't say throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, but try a bunch of things and see what sticks. And then more importantly, amplify and focus on zero in on the stuff that works. So I love that. And those three things took you to a million dollars in a couple of years. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I have an amazing team as well. I have a lot of supporters. I mean, you've helped me so much, right? Rohan's helped me. Like a lot of people help me. I just don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask for their help. They do. Just yeah, that's another point. A side point. Ask for help. Get mentorship. Yes. Okay, so Elena, you know, I know that you're pretty busy. Mommy, go. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's uh, I've seen some of the flavors. They seem really interesting. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. and you know, you got a couple little ones. So I know that pretty busy. But uh, just to reiterate here, if someone wants to learn. If someone happens to be in your area and, you know, is in need of cleaning services, where would they go? They go to superbmates.net. I actually also offer, uh, so many people ask me about how to start a cleaning company. I created like a little course and it's on the website as well, superbmates.net. I mentor a lot of people on how to do that. And uh, yeah, so it's, it'll be at the bottom of the, of the homepage. It'll be a link to the course. Okay. Well, that's uh, something to keep in mind. I know a lot of our listeners have cleaning company. And then another thing is, uh, you know, I know that the Indiegogo campaign is is finished, 
but how could we learn a bit more about Mommy Go? So you can go to a website, which is mommygo.co. So M-O-M-M-Y-G-O.co. Mm-hmm. So you'll find all the information, video, everything, nutritional panel. Awesome. Buy it there too. Yeah. All right. And yeah, I know that that should, you know, really pay some dividend for someone that is maybe taking in some, some Red Bull or coffee and stuff just to stay up in the morning. So I'm really excited about that. But again, really happy to have you on today. I, I appreciate your very valuable time. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, I really hope that you guys got some good value out of this. I think it's incredibly important to make sure that you follow the three things that Elena mentioned, as well as making sure that you read the fine print. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, don't sign. Another lesson is just don't sign any, any contracts on somebody else's behalf, no matter how sad is their story. You know, just don't do it. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's huge advice. So other than that, you've got the weekend coming up. So I hope you have a good weekend. And thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Thank you so much. 